morning. Boys and girls, we make sure you have your children's bulletin. You have your own translation in there. We'll be referring to that throughout the week. And there's also a place you can ask questions. Again, please be sure to put your name on those so Pastor Sean knows who to answer those questions when I get them. And for the rest of us, we'll be in Galatians chapter 6, uh, verses 11 through 18. It's printed for you in the ESV translation uh, in total in your bulletin. Of course, please feel free to turn there in your own Bibles as well. <clears throat> and what we're doing is we're, we're, between now and Easter, we're walking through a series about getting out of our comfort zones, about the idea that each of us have these structures, these nice little things we create that are very comfortable, and in many cases this holds us back from living in the mandate to take the health of the gospel to our city. And it keeps us personally stifled as well. And so we're going to be looking at those between now and Easter. Then after Easter, I'm very excited, we're going to be walking a series in the book of Ecclesiastes very wonderful Old Testament book that has so much to say to our current time. So it's good, good things the Lord is going to be doing on Sunday mornings. <clears throat> but for now, I just want to tell you a quick story to help us understand what's going to happen in this text today. Um, as many of you know, I was in corporate America, uh, post-seminary, and I remember sitting there in HR training, which those of you who are in corporate America know is just super fantastic. Um, and so I'm in HR training, and we're going over the harassment stuff. Right, And they go through all the harassment stuff, like you can't do this, can't do this. And all the onus, all the guilt basically was on don't be an offender. And after several hours of this, I finally just, you know, they had, well, do you have any questions? And so I raised my hand and they were like, we actually have a question. So I said, yeah, um, is there any kind of responsibility put on someone to not be offended is there any kind of responsibility just said, hey, you know what, you, you're an adult, you need to choose not to be offended, this is not that big of a deal, and let's move on. I didn't think it was that big of a deal question. And as you can imagine, they, it, it turned out to be a big deal question. They had no idea what I was talking about. I, I kept trying to explain it several different ways. And, you know, and the reason that it was so difficult is because that's right where our culture is. Giving offense to someone has become one of the few standards our culture will hold on to. Almost everything else is allowed, but don't give offense. And that's a problem for us, because the cross is offensive. Christians are offensive to the world. That's why I've titled this sermon, We Offend Them, because we do. And that makes us uncomfortable. It sets up this struggle for us to live faithfully when there's this great pressure not to offend, when the very core of our message is offensive. <clears throat> and the churches in Galatia in Paul's day faced a very similar struggle. And the similar struggle is this. It's non-Christians attempting to define and then enforce what Christianity should look like trying to force the church into the culture's mode or mold. For us, what that looks like is the great pressure that many of you feel is to, to have a private faith, one that does not affect your public life. Keep it individualistic. Keep it personal. Keep it Sunday. And the culture is okay with us. This shift has taken place rather abruptly. You'll notice our current government leaders for about the last seven years have switched from the traditional language of freedom of religion, 
because religion is a whole lifestyle, to what's the phrase you hear now in the news from our leaders, right? It's freedom of worship, which is much more constricting, much more, oh, of course, yes, at your hour, on your day, you get to be yourself. But once you come out of that sacred space and that sacred time, you have to be like us. Don't offend. And that's where our culture is heading. For the Christians in Paul's day, we're going to see, is it was the issue of the relationship of how do we not be Jewish anymore, and yet how do we avoid having to worship the emperor? How do we balance not offending both these parties? Because for them and for us, a compromise here really jeopardizes the truth of the gospel. So we're going to see that together today. So if you would, look with me in Galatians chapter 6, verses 11 through 18. This is God's word. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus." The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Before we go to God's word, let's go to him once more in prayer. Oh, Lord God, we do ask that as we come before you, you would open this text up to us, Lord. Give us truth that we may be changed. Oh, Lord, would you do this by your spirit, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. And so as we're going to unpack today, here in these Galatian churches, there were two groups. One that feared the world and the culture, we'll say, and one that was a little too comfortable with, even enamored with the world and the culture. And neither group wanted to be too different from the culture. But the church is a community that's called to a radically different type of life. We are different from those who do not know Christ. We are different because we know Christ. He has changed us, and that difference offends people. And the reason we're talking about this today under this idea is because we have all, to live in this culture, created a comfort zone of not offending people. Some of us are more comfortable with offending people than others, but we all have at least some zone where, okay, I'm not going to say this, I'm not going to do this because this causes undue conflict. I'm going to keep it nice and safe inside of this zone. And Paul comes along to tell us in in this passage that to live faithfully, we've got to get rid of that comfort zone. I want to give you a sentence, a theme for today. You can use this at family worship, perhaps, throughout the week, or maybe at lunch when you're talking about the sermon today. Here's where we're going to go. When we embrace the gospel, we offend cultural religions, and that makes us uncomfortable. You see, it's, it's comfortable to blend into culture, isn't it? But when we embrace the offense of the cross, the gospel changes us and we get rid of that comfort zone. So let's jump in and see that together. First, blending in with the cultural religion. What I want to do is I want to, I want to take you back to 
the first century Roman world. Right in the middle of modern-day Turkey, if you, if you know your maps, think of Turkey, kind of right in the middle of modern-day Turkey is an area they called Galatia. In Acts 13 and 14, Paul goes to this area, he visits several cities, and he plants several churches there. Before Paul got there, the Roman Empire, as it took over Galatia, one of the things it did to assimilate these non-Romans into the Roman Empire was it brought in emperor worship. You've got to rewind back before Christianity and monotheism conquered and created Western culture to pre-Christian era Roman Empire. Gods were everywhere. You, you, you built something, boom, you, it's a god and you worshipped it. I mean, they were just ever. It was common knowledge, gods were everywhere. So to worship the emperor does not mean that they thought this man was God Almighty, the creator of all things. No, they just somehow, he's supernatural in a way that we're not. And so they would worship the emperor. They would make sacrifices to, to him. When his image walked by, they would bow down to it as if it were Caesar himself. And so this was a way of assimilating these foreign groups into this great empire. And it worked very well. And one of the more enlightened things that Rome did was Rome recognized that there are a handful of weirdos out there who really want to emphasize one God only. And they get really angry if we try to make them worship other gods. And we really just care about peace and taxes. And so if they're officially recognized, they don't have to bow down to the emperor. Judaism was one of those. And so any actual Jew did not have to worship the emperor. They were exempt from that. And that sets up the problem in the book of Galatians. Because these Jewish leaders, they did not want Christianity to be seen as part of them. The Roman Empire, for the first like 30 years of this new Christianity thing, considered it just part of Judaism. And so it was allowed and there was no persecution. It was fine. And the Jews kept saying, they are not one of us. They're not one of us. So all of that means, okay, what does that mean? All of that means this. What we find in Acts 13 and 14 in Galatia is that the Jewish leaders and the Roman civic leaders are actually working together to force the Christians to either blend in and be Jewish or blend in and worship the emperor. There's no third option. And into that mix, some well-meaning Christians come and think they have a solution to the problem. And again, what is the problem? The problem is non-Christians attempting to define and then enforce what Christianity should look like. Trying to make, here's what Christianity in the public square should look like. And so these, these well-meaning Jewish Christians come into that situation. And they say, hey, we've got this problem solved. We can fix this right now. We've got this. Every Christian man should be circumcised. That way Rome will recognize them as Jews and they won't have to worship the emperor. Problem solved. Everybody's happy. And so throughout these Galatian churches, they started having all the guys circumcised. And then because you know, actions cause consequences, they started to have this belief that you had to be circumcised to be a Christian. If you did not do this, you weren't actually born again in Christ because this is required. Paul, having planted these churches and moved on, finds out about this, blows a gasket, and writes Galatians to battle this error. I don't know how cognizant you are with the New Testament, but Galatians is a seething, angry letter compared to the rest of the epistles. Paul is angry, and he's writing them because he says, look, this is not a minor point to compromise. Paul says to set aside part of the gospel in order to fit into culture is to lose the gospel. 
Say that again. To set aside part of the gospel in order to fit into culture is to lose the gospel. So Paul starts out and tells him the truth. Here at the very end of his letter, his secretary has dictated it for him. Now he grabs the quill, he grabs the parchment, and he puts his big old ugly handwriting on there and says, this is me, I'm writing this myself. And he says this, look, these false teachers don't care about you. They just want to avoid persecution. They want you to blend in with the culture so they can stay comfortable. That's all this is. Don't do it. All right, boys and girls, Pastor Sean's been talking about geography and Roman Empire and a lot of big words. I want to make sure you're tracking with me here. So boys and girls, let's get out your translation. Let's look together at verses 12 and 13. Here's what Paul is saying to his friends at these churches. He says this. He says, those people who want you to blend in instead of being different just don't want to suffer for the cross of Jesus. They already blend in, and they want you to join them so they can brag about not being different. Boys and girls, you know that pressure, don't you? Be like everybody else. Don't be different. Don't stand out, right? Boys and girls, don't make others feel uncomfortable, and then you won't get picked last at recess anymore, right? Well, guess what? Mom and dad feel that same pressure too. We adults, we, we want people to like us, don't we? We want people to, to, to think we're not weirdos. And so sometimes in some situations, we instinctively or outright know we, we need to downplay that whole Christianity thing so we can fit in in this group better. And that's exactly what Paul's talking about here in verse 12 and 13. These people wanted to be accepted and highly thought of by the Roman world and by the Jewish world. And they thought they had the perfect compromise. Let's just jump through this meaningless act and it'll be okay. We can be accepted. Oh, dear flock, we, we need to be careful about compromising with culture. When we feel that we're standing out or, or when we know that our faith is offending someone, we're tempted to think that we can do something to relieve that pressure, to, to make the offense go away, to maintain our comfort. Well, let me, let me hold on to this part of Christianity because this is really important. But when I'm with these people, I'll, I'll let this go because it's just too uncomfortable to talk about that. Or, well, I know that that issue is in the Bible, but I, I just don't care enough about it to really offend anybody about it. I can compromise there. It's okay. And so instead of living in the health and wholeness of the gospel, the joy offered to us in Christ, we live this fractured anxious life because you're trying to uphold a comfort zone when it's not possible to do and what happens is is it it ceases to be comfortable and it's just non-confrontational and there's a difference now i'm being purposely vague at this point because the specific compromises we all make are they're as varied as the people in this room the holy spirit's brought them to your mind right now if you do this you know when that pressure comes don't you you recognize that pressure. That feeling is there, right? Back off. Don't be that religious person in this situation. Don't, don't look weird. See, the real issue is we offend them because the gospel is offensive, and we need to recognize that. Uh, a more wise, godly, and experienced pastor than myself uh, in New York City named Tim Keller, he's got a great way of putting this. Here's, here's what he says. I'm going to work through this quote. It's a long quote, so we're going to break it up a little bit, Okay. He says this, as the gospel is offensive to liberal-minded people who charge the gospel with intolerance because it states that the only way to be saved is through the cross. Let's stop right there, okay? We get that one, right? 
We know about this one. Yeah, this, this is the liberals trying to destroy America. We know that one. We recognize that one. We're good at that one. Okay, let's go to the next part, though. The gospel is offensive to conservative-minded people, uh-oh, because it states that without the cross, good people are in as much trouble as bad people. Okay, let's stop right there. See, that's us, right? This is people like us who we hold on to a traditional morality, and we say this is what makes us right with God, or we hold on to family values, and this is what makes us right with God, or, or we hold on to this, whatever it is we grab onto from church world, say this is what makes us right with God, but the gospel comes along in the cross and says, no, those things can't save you. And that offends even good people like us. All right, let's move on. Next part. We'll start at the word uh, ultimately there, towards the bottom of your screen. Ultimately, the gospel is offensive because the cross stands against all schemes of self-salvation. See, the cross screams out, you can't save yourself. You need help, and that offends people because we like to do it ourselves. And I want to be clear, this is not just a problem out there. This is a problem in here. This is a problem inside the church and inside our hearts these, these false teachers, they were trying to get people to focus not on Christ making them right with God through grace, but focus on doing this religious act. Perform this thing, jump through this hoop, work this work, and you'll be right with God. And so Paul combats this. Look with me at verse 13. What does Paul do to combat this? He says, look, they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. In other words, they recognize they've done something wrong. They've compromised too much. They feel guilty about it. And so if they can get a whole bunch of other people to join them, they can boast in that, hey, they're doing it too. It must be okay. That's what he means to boast in your flesh. Don't raise your hand. Anybody ever been in that situation where instead of repenting of something, you know you've compromised, instead of I can get someone else to join me, that, that guilt kind of goes away for a little bit? Now, don't raise your hand, okay, because we've all been there, right? Most of us have been in that situation. We, we, there's great pressure to blend in with the culture, to compromise on what culture says doesn't matter so everybody can get along. It's very uncomfortable to stand up to that. We, we hesitate to take a stand for the offense of the gospel because it's difficult, it's uncomfortable. So what are we to do? Well, that's the next thing this text shows us. We find the answer then in embracing the offense of the cross. Look with me at verse 14. Paul says this, Far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. See, these false teachers come in and they boast. Look, everybody compromises on that. That's not that big of a deal. You can let that go. Just focus here. And Paul, to combat that, actually points to the truth. He says, God didn't compromise on sin. The cross where Jesus gave his life to uphold God's holiness, to destroy sin, is the anchor for all creation to see God doesn't compromise when it comes to sin. See, I say it that way because I want to make you squeamish. Even in your heart right now, part of you is like, doesn't like... Oh, don't say God doesn't compromise, right? It's okay. You can nod your head. I know you, I know you do. See, Paul is making an offensive statement here, and I want you to feel that offense. The word cross, crux, 
was actually unmentionable in polite, educated Roman society. You just didn't use it. Even in the archaeological records, you can look this up, when they convicted someone to their punishment of being crucified, you didn't say the word cross. You didn't say the word crucify. That's why they considered Jerusalem to be backwards and redneck, because they screamed out crucify. You don't say that. It's not polite. So even in the archaeological records, they say you were to be hung on the unlucky tree because you didn't say cross. Here Paul comes and says, I boast in the cross. It had set Paul free. What they were ashamed of, he said, it's awesome and you should boast in the cross too. Little moms at the Galatian churches when this letter was read out loud shrieked and covered their little precious ears when he said, I boast in the cross. You need to understand that. Paul is saying, I will offend you because the cross is offensive and if you embrace it, it sets you free. He did not want these Christians to lose that freedom. I want to make sure we all get this. So boys and girls, let's, let's, let's have mom and dad and all of us look at your verse 14, okay? <clears throat> it says this. It says, but I will brag about the cross where Jesus was killed because through it I am made right with God and don't care about blending in with the world. See, boys and girls, here's what Paul's saying. I want to ask you a question. How many of you know what a mortgage is? Hey, boys and girls, I'm making eye contact with you. How many of you know what a mortgage is? If you do, raise your hand. If you're, okay, a couple, good. Okay, let me ask you something. A mortgage, for those of you who didn't raise your hand, is typically the biggest debt and the biggest bill mom and dad have. Do you worry about the mortgage? Why don't you worry about the mortgage? It's the biggest bill mom and dad have, boys and girls. Because mom and dad take care of that for you, don't they? You can be free to be a child without having that hanging over your head because it's been taken care of. And that is the gospel that Paul says, don't lose when you lose the offense of the cross. God, through Jesus Christ in the gospel, has taken care of the biggest debt in your life. This huge burden of sin and guilt before a holy God. You don't have to worry about that because He has taken care of it. You can be free to be a child without that hanging over your head. It's been taken care of. See, when we embrace the offense of the cross, we too can say with Paul, I don't care about culture. I don't care about the world or what they think about me. I am right with God through the cross and I am not going to let go of the cross. But we haven't really embraced the cross like that, have we? Because we do care, don't we? Very much what the world thinks, even if we don't want to. That's why it's so important to notice what Paul says here. Notice what he says and what he doesn't say. Paul does not say he has defeated the world. He does not say that through his religious discipline, he has overcome temptation he no longer slides into compromise. No, it's not what he's saying. He says, I boast in the cross. I trust in the cross. I rejoice in the cross. I live for the cross. He's not thinking about the world. His comfort zone is not in the world. His comfort zone is that I love the Lord Jesus Christ and his cross is my anchor to reality. Paul is crucified to the world because something else has come in and captured his heart. And that is ultimately where our comfort zone resides. 
We care about what the world thinks about us. We care about what culture thinks about us. We let culture put us into its mold because our heart is there and we too much love the world and the things of this world and we do not yet fully embrace the cross of Christ. It has not captured our heart because ultimately we live for what we boast in. What do you boast in? What is it you look to to know you are in a right relationship with God? Not the trivia answer that you can give if an elder asks you that at home visit, but like in your heart, when you're stressed, when your world is falling apart, where do you go to comfort yourself? That's what you boast in. That's what you protect. That's what brings you comfort. For so many of us in the conservative church world, what is comfortable is to look to our morality, to look to our behavior, to look to our religious activities. That gives us a sense of identity. It gives us a sense of value. It gives us a sense of significance. Our religion causes us to boast in ourselves, but the gospel causes us to boast in what Jesus did. That's the difference. What do you boast in when you need comfort? Is it yourself and what you do? Or what Jesus did. See, when we glory in his work for us, his death for us, his resurrection for our life, it makes us radically different from this world. And that difference is offensive to our culture. See, if our heart is captured by the cross, we don't really even notice that, actually. Because we're so enthralled with Jesus, how he has changed us in the gospel, we don't care what they think. Which is right where Paul goes next. He's been changed by the gospel. It set him free from his own fears. It set him free from his hang-ups. It set him free from the fears and hang-ups of others as well. Look with me at verse 15. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. This is one of those verses we read right over because it's got big words and we don't really relate to circumcision. This is a tremendously amazing verse about gospel change. Circumcision was so offensive to the Romans that outside of Judaism, possibly some others, the archaeological evidence is is still up in the air, but definitely for Judaism, it was illegal. If you weren't a Jew and you did circumcision, you go into jail. It was that offensive to them. Yet here Paul, a Roman citizen, says, man, circumcision is nothing. Who cares? It's nothing. But there's something even more amazing. I want you to get this in this verse. I want you to take your mind back to the pictures that were all across Facebook, internet, newspaper, wherever, about a month ago. I want you to see, what was it, 20? 21 of our brothers in Christ lined up in orange jumpsuits on a beach outside of Egypt with ISIS and their guns behind them. I want you to think about those martyrs. We've all seen the picture. They were killed for being Christians. I want you to think of those religious fanatics in ISIS who killed them, and we call them what? We call them terrorists, and they are terrorists. So you had that picture in your mind? Paul, before he was a Christian, was so committed to circumcision, was so committed to Jewish law that he hunted down and killed Christians. He was a terrorist. There's no other way to describe it. But the cross consumes him now. Circumcision is nothing to him now. He killed because of your view on circumcision. Before. Now he's, I don't care about circumcision. The gospel changed him from a killer to a new creation. 
do you believe the gospel can convert a terrorist today? Is your cross that powerful? Is that the way we pray about terrorism today? Is that our response, Lord Jesus Christ, by the power of your cross, would you end these men like you ended Paul the terrorist? But it's also a personal challenge. It's a little deeper than that. If the gospel can change Saul the terrorist into Paul the apostle, it has the power to change me. It has the power to change you. It has the power to change our community. That's why we're talking about this under the idea of a comfort zone. We don't have to worry about what people think about us as long as we stay inside of our comfort zones. But then the gospel comes along. It changes our relationship to our fears. It changes our relationship to our comforts and what we think is important. The gospel changes what we boast in. We anchor our value in the cross. We anchor our significance in the cross. The whole basis for our comfort and identity becomes the cross on which Christ died for me. And in that, once we embrace that offense, the gospel changes us so that nothing in the world has power over us anymore. It just destroys our comfort zone. We all know that Christian, don't we, who just seems to be so bold. And it seems to have no fear. They can go up and evangelize anyone, it seems like. And most of us, we watch them do that, and we're like, <laughs> it's scary, right? Because it's outside of our comfort zone, because we haven't embraced the cross and the offense yet. We're still holding on to something else. Oh, but Paul comes along and says, it's so huge. It changed me from someone who killed for circumcision to someone who says, I don't care about circumcision. I'm a new creation. Let me tell you about Jesus. The gospel can do that for you too. We can be free at last from the world so we can serve our community. The gospel is that powerful. So I want to wrap it up the way Paul wraps it up with verse 18. Look with me at verse 18. Paul wishes upon them the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. This is the gospel that the Galatians need to know. This is the gospel that you and I need to know. The gospel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not that we would have knowledge. It's not that we would be able to say, yes, I can answer the trivia questions about the gospel. No, Paul prays that it would be with your spirit. A way of life. Something deeply fulfilling. Something that you boast in. Something that anchors you to set you free in this life to love Christ and love your community. Whether you are a Christian or not, do you know the grace of God through Jesus Christ like that? Your life can have this powerful, life-changing gospel that made Paul a new creation that changed him from a terrorist to a disciple. You can have that. That power is available today. You can have that freedom from what other people think today. Simply cast off all the religious works you look to. Whatever you anchor yourself in to make you feel like a good person that you matter. Cast off all that morality that you base your significance in that you think makes you okay with God. Get rid of all of that stuff, all those religious habits you've picked up. Whatever it is you boast in, just get rid of it. Say, it is nothing to me anymore. I will boast in the cross of Christ. Place your faith and trust in Him alone today. 
Whether you've done that at some point in your life, way in the back, do it again. Christians leak and we need the gospel every day. Set aside your comfort zone of offending culture and repent and believe the gospel and you will see Orangeburg change. Let's pray together. Father God, Lord, we confess to you our fear. We hear these words, we hear the challenge, we believe them, Lord, but we are so scared to say something significant, to make a conversation take a religious turn. It's just not decent. People might get offended. Lord, would you help us to love unrepentant sinners harassed by sin and guilt who need to know Christ? Would you help us to love them more than we love our own comfort? Would you make us an outward-focused people who embrace and boast in the cross? Lord, we pray that you would, by the power of your gospel, work even now and draw people to yourself. Build your kingdom this day. Would you have many confess faith in Christ and embrace the cross? We ask, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand? Let's respond to God's word by singing together.